tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about if alcohol actually tastes good and feels good for us. You'll learn about why we perceive alcohol as pleasurable, a bit about taste genetics, and how the way alcohol tastes for you can influence how much you drink. I have an interesting study to share with you about how the pleasure that you feel from alcohol affects how much you drink and whether or not we develop a tolerance to pleasure, making us require more alcohol to get the same effect. So let's dig in. In my experience, alcohol felt amazing. 
it felt like the best thing that has ever existed. One drink always felt amazing, and my brain kept telling me that one more would feel even more amazing. After I took a 90-day break and went back to drinking, my drink was so pleasurable and tasted so amazing, my eyes actually welled up with tears. And I don't see this experience represented anywhere, so I thought that I would cover it today. Alcohol feels good when we drink it, but the amount of pleasure that you get from drinking is different for everyone. We don't all feel exactly the same when we drink. And later on, when we develop a problem with alcohol, even though it may still feel pleasurable for you, it's also being used to manage withdrawal symptoms like insomnia, anxiety, depression, and low energy. I talked about this with Dr. Anna Lemke back in episode 76, if you haven't checked that one out yet. I covered why and how alcohol feels pleasurable in a lot of detail back in episode 11, but as a brief review, alcohol feels good because it causes endorphins to be released in the brain. Endorphins are opioids that are naturally produced in the body and mainly function to block the perception of pain and cause pleasure. When endorphins bind to their receptors in the brain, it results in the release of dopamine. And as someone develops a problem with alcohol or other drugs, changes happen to the brain's reward system. The brain will actually release more endorphins than required, which then causes more dopamine to be released and a greater amount of euphoria. And the memory that drinking feels good is also stronger. So I explained dopamine in episode 62, but just know that endorphins are what's causing the pleasure that you feel. It's a common misunderstanding that dopamine is a pleasure chemical, but it's actually a motivational chemical. Dopamine helps the brain focus on the pleasure that it's feeling and create a memory of it. And these memories become cues that motivate us to seek out alcohol when we encounter these cues in the future. A 2021 study published in the American Journal of Psychiatry followed young adult drinkers for 10 years and wanted to see if how pleasurable alcohol feels for you increased your risk of developing a problem. They found that the people who went on to develop alcohol use disorder were more likely to be more sensitive to the rewarding effects of alcohol meaning that it felt better for them, and they never developed a tolerance to the pleasurable effects of alcohol. The researchers specifically contrasted this to just developing a habit, and I appreciated that because I don't believe that alcohol is just a bad habit for most of us, which is something that I discussed in episode 28. This study also found that the people who are more sensitive to the pleasurable effects of alcohol were also less sensitive to the sedating effects of alcohol. And this didn't change over the 10 year period. So if alcohol feels amazing for you, then you're more likely to drink it. And if when you drink it, you don't feel tired, then you're also more likely to drink and more likely to drink greater quantities of alcohol when you do drink. Tolerance occurs when you need to drink more to get the same effect. And this happens with effects like feeling relaxed from drinking and how much alcohol gets you drunk. So what this study found is that participants who felt more pleasure from drinking never developed a tolerance to this over the course of the 10-year study. It's generally thought that people with AUD have to drink more to get the same effect, but that's not true for all effects of alcohol like feeling pleasure. 
Another common belief is that people who are struggling with their drinking are completely miserable the entire time. And it's accurate that our drinking stops being fun overall, but it is fun and exciting for the first couple of hours. And this is what makes it harder to stop too. You believe that that two hours of fun is the only time you'll ever experience fun and happiness. But what most of us understand in our sobriety is that those two hours of fun cause the next 22 hours of misery. For the group that felt more pleasure from drinking, the amount of alcohol that they wanted and the levels of cravings that they were experiencing increased substantially over the 10 years, which to me represents them developing a problem. So the lead author of the study, Dr. Andrea King, said, I'm already using this information to inform how I talk about addiction with my therapy clients. It can be frustrating for them to see other people who can have a couple drinks and just stop there. They can't understand why they repeatedly seem unable to do that too. And I tell them it may be because your brain responds differently to alcohol that makes it harder to stop drinking once you start. So I used to always feel envious of social drinkers and how they could stop after two drinks, but the way I see it now is they probably don't know how amazing alcohol can feel, and I do. If it feels fine for you, then two drinks makes perfect sense, but if it feels like the best thing ever, then a hundred drinks makes more sense. So lots of people say that we hate the taste of alcohol, but we learn to tolerate it for the effects, and that's just not true. And that has actually always annoyed me because I did drink at least partially for the taste. I genuinely enjoyed the taste, even straight liquor. And like I said earlier, when I had my first glass of wine after 90 days off, it felt and tasted so amazing that I almost cried. And what you see represented much more often is that after a long break, you'll realize how bad alcohol tastes. And that was never my experience. No matter what the alcohol was, I never thought it tasted bad. So if you like the way that alcohol tastes, then you're more likely to drink it. And this also makes it harder to stop drinking for good, because if you like the taste, it's easier to romanticize alcohol, which is something that I struggle with a lot. Luckily, though, there are so many non-alcoholic alternatives for people like me who did enjoy the taste. So if they don't trigger you or make you have weird thoughts like wanting to hide how much you drink, then they could be a great tool for your sobriety. But that's all up to you. I talked more about how non-alcoholic drinks can potentially be triggering in episode 77. And it doesn't have to be a non-alcoholic alternative. It could just be a delicious drink like an iced tea or there's fancy seltzers or drinks that have probiotics. So it could just be a tasty drink that you get and makes you feel good at the end of a long day. It doesn't have to be like a fake beer or a fake wine. So humans have evolved to like sweetness and dislike bitterness. And this determines what we eat and what we drink. And this is all to keep us alive so that we don't consume something harmful for us. So just like we all have different food preferences, some people will like the taste of alcohol and other people won't. A 2014 study from Penn State's Sensory Evaluation Center looked at burn receptor genes and bitter receptor genes and how this influences who likes the taste of alcohol and who doesn't. So alcohol has a bitter taste and it also has a burning feeling. And both of those things are what make alcohol unpleasant to most people. So I always laugh at people 
who take shots and make that scrunched up, unpleasant face, even now when I'm sober. They don't like the burn, but they do the shot anyways. And I never made a face when I took a shot. So if shots don't feel unpleasant for you, then the barrier to doing shots is much lower. I was always down for a shot. I liked the taste of alcohol. Didn't matter what kind. I did not need a chaser or anything added to it. So I was always down for a shot. You never had to talk me into it. But if you don't like the taste of alcohol, you probably didn't do shots or the barrier to doing one would be much higher. So the researchers from this study took DNA samples from 93 people and had them rate the intensity of a drink that was 16% alcohol. And then after they applied a cotton swab with 50% alcohol to their tongues. So in this study, they looked at which bitter receptor gene the participants had and how this influenced the way alcohol tastes for them. So a bitter receptor allows your tongue to pick up on bitter flavor. So think of a receptor like a chair and the bitter flavor sits down in the chair and then your tongue recognizes it. So sweetness and bitterness suppress each other. So that's why some people will add sugar to coffee to bring down the bitterness so they can enjoy it more. Other people enjoy the bitterness and drink their coffee black. So it's the same thing that's going on here with alcohol. Some people like me just enjoy the taste of alcohol. Other people prefer to drink sugary cocktails because the sweetness improves the taste for them. And there are some people who just don't enjoy the taste of alcohol at all and don't drink it because of that. And that sounds totally crazy, but they must just have different bitter receptor genes than I do. So having genetics that make alcohol taste bad for you are protective in a way because they lower your risk of developing a problem. If you like the effects of alcohol and want them really badly, then you can learn to tolerate the taste if you don't like it. But some people don't like the effects of alcohol either. So in this study, participants who experienced the taste of alcohol to be more bitter drank half as often as participants without this bitter genetic variant. And they also rated the taste of alcohol as 25% more intense. So when we sweeten alcoholic drinks, it reduces the effect of the bitter taste receptor, making it easier for us to tolerate the drink. So even if the taste of alcohol is too intense and unpleasant for you, there are tons of drinks that are sweetened to cancel this right out. An Australian study from 2018 published in Scientific Reports found that people who have a variant of the bitter taste receptor drink less alcohol. And genetics influences how we taste bitter things like coffee, alcohol, kale, and grapefruit. If you experience them as very bitter, you probably won't like them. But the researchers made an important conclusion that even if you don't like the taste, you can still acquire it through repeated exposure. So it's not completely protective if you don't enjoy the taste of alcohol. So we know that developing a problem is 50% genetic, and these are two ways that genetics factors into it. If alcohol tastes good for you, then you're more likely to drink it. Plus, if you genuinely enjoy the taste, it will be more difficult to give it up. Some people do lie to themselves, though, and say that they drink for the taste when they really have just learned to tolerate the taste to get the desired effect. So it's important to keep that in mind, too. Sometimes we think we liked the taste and we're really convinced of that, but after a break, we realize that we actually didn't. 
And for pleasure, alcohol doesn't feel as pleasurable and amazing to everybody. And the better it feels for you, the more at risk you are of developing a problem. If you want to learn more about genetics, I'll include some episodes in the show notes that you can check out after this, as well as any of the episodes that I mentioned earlier. And I will talk to you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.